Coming up on this episode of Up for Debate, we've read the book, now we watch the movie. It's Steven Spielberg combined with Ernest Klein. Two great tastes that, do they taste great together? We're going to find out Up for Debate tonight. Ready Player One, the movie. This is Up for Debate, episode number 110, recorded April 12th, 2018. We watched Ready Player One. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the podcast about debate where the two hosts agree on everything. I'm Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by our own... Uh, by, by Steven the main... Spielberg. Well, okay, don't flatter yourself. No, I was <laughs> no, I was going to say uh, uh, the man who knows his way around a loyalty center, Mr. Matt Mariani. Okay. How's that? Uh, how's it going, Mr. Sean Jennings? You know, I... I... I, I would not hesitate to call you the uh, Steven Spielberg of podcasting. That I would hesitate to call me the Steven Spielberg of podcasting. In that at one at one time, uh, making podcasts was your great passion. And then at, at one point you realized you just need a paycheck every couple of years. So you kind of cash out. Yeah, Matt, that's why I do this for the money. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Sounds so in like that me. way, I guess I guess you're not entirely the Steven Spielberg. You're more like the you're like the Wes Anderson of podcasting. I mean, if we're gonna go with directors, I'm kind of like the guy who directed the the Twilight movies of podcasters, where it's like I can do the job, but I'm never gonna get any kind of award or recognition for it. Hmm. Yeah, that's sad. Uh, except- I'm pretty sure that one that won a couple of Razzies, didn't it? At least. Well, <laughs> hey, look if, if if there's a Razzies of podcasting, I would love for us to win it. That would be oh, quite an honor. Be, we we would so be nominated for that. It would be an honor. It would be, but so. you know, we're we're not we're just average enough, kind of like this movie, Matt. We are talking about <laughs> Ready Player One now. Folks who watch the show may remember back in the fall, episode number eighty-eight, we read the book Ready Player One. And and I recommend people go listen, pause this one, go listen to that one, then come back and return to this moment. Uh, because, Matt, I will summarize. Tell me if, if you disagree with anything I'm going to say, which is our summary of the book was an entertaining read that was very badly written with some notable character flaws. Is that a, is that a, a fair way to summarize the book? Uh, yeah, it was it was very much a love letter to 80s culture. Um. And yeah, all things 80s media, just kind of, I don't know. I, I mean, I would go even beyond, We when we read the book, we called it a love letter. Now I think it's more like a like an obsession. Mm. After seeing the movie, it, it really struck me as more of a, um, it's gone beyond writing love notes and sticking them in the locker. And it's the like hiding in the bushes, full on stalking. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it's really funny because I have a couple colleagues of mine at the office who are in that upper 40s, low 50s age, and they're all, for whatever reason, reading the book right now, which is funny because I'm the young guy, so they asked me, oh, you read Ready Player One? And, you know, for the show, I figured I'll ask them what their opinions on, and they all said more or less the same thing to me, which was, yeah, I'm really enjoying the book. You know, I grew up with all those 80s references, so it's really cool to see them. Like, that was their thing about the book. Like, they didn't care about... And that was the first thing I enjoyed the book because of the references. And I'm like, 
A, I didn't think the references were even that good, frankly. I thought they were okay. Um, and B, that's such a weird reason to like the book. Yeah, a lot of the references really were just, hey, remember this thing? Here's this thing again. It wasn't so much they he did they didn't do anything. They just kind of would would he kind of just threw them at you. It was a shotgun they were very approach. Cheap, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just, uh, oh, you remember the game Joust for the Atari? Yep. Uh, you, you remember, you remember Pac-Man? Here's Pac-Man. We're going to do, we're going to talk about Pac-Man for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, and, and the movie was very much, uh, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get into the movie yet, but it yeah. was very much like that. Um, well, just kind of that, that routine barrage of uh of 80 of reference of just references in general to things well can can i uh, we're gonna get into the movie here i'm gonna and let's just put that big spoiler alert heading right here at the top i'm not you don't be surprised if it's spoiled because the whole episode's about the movie so obviously we're gonna spoil it uh man i gotta be honest i was sitting watching this movie and for the people who went there for the references of which i think is a notable percentage of the crowd i didn't think it was referency enough I thought now I liked it because I thought it was a little less referency. They didn't really they they didn't really hammer it in your head so much that it was really really all about what I liked one of the things I liked about the movie was that it pivoted a bit away from the holiday uh basing this whole mystery around 80s references to more about his relationship with uh, the woman he was in love with who married his business partner. It was more based around the story of the founding of the company. It was a little less heavily reliant on the 80s references. Now, the references were in there, and by the way, wider than the 80s, a lot of 90s references, even a lot of modern references, which I thought was very smart to do, um, get you know hit that wider audience. But I like the fact, maybe you disagree, maybe you thought it was as referencing. I just like the fact that it wasn't as mega reference heavy as the book. Well, one of the things, as I was reading the book, after learning that it was going to become a movie, that one of the first things that popped into my head is they're going to need to tone down these uh, references. They're going to mm-hmm. need to toe the line. And I think that the movie, the movie, you could you could tell Spielberg really did try to do that. Because if, if they hadn't towed the line, if they had just kind of just threw references at you over and over, we wouldn't have a plot. Now, not that... Not that that would have been, um, you know, a uh, a deal breaker by any means, because I do think a lot of the audience members were brought there to just for that shot of nostalgia, just to you know feel feel that you know that eighties that eighties uh, nostalgia, but. Something I did like about the book is that it 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 really fleshed. Like I think you mentioned this, they, it really did flesh out the whole relationship that uh, the main character was going for with his his love interests, with his friends th- that he made along the way. Um, and I kind of liked it better seeing it in the movie. It just helped me visualize that that much better than, than reading it in the book. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, also I have to say the villain, I thought that the villain in the movie, uh, was just his, his goal and his intentions were kind of more 
I guess that when they explained him in the book, they were more like paint by numbers, kind of like, I'm a bad guy, so I'm going to do this, this, and this. But it was it was a little bit more human uh, in, in seeing it portrayed in the movie. It, it just gave him gave him kind of a better a better uh, motive, I guess. The, the actor was better at explaining that character's motives. Than oh the, yeah. The book was. No, I think I think the actor who played Nolan Sorrento, who was Ben Mendelsohn, um, and frankly, I'll say this about a lot of the actors in the movie, but I think he really saved the role in a lot of ways. Uh, I still rolled my eyes a couple times at just how over-the-top, predictable, bad guy, evil corporation it was at times. Uh, you know, where the police come in at the end and put him in handcuffs and drag him <laughs> away. You know, it's like, come on. But seriously, guys, like, we, we get it. We get it. Um, but I thought he did bring a pretty good performance to the role. And while I wouldn't go as far as to say he humanized it, I'll certainly say he made it more than one note. He made it interesting and worth getting excited about because I think you could have put someone more bland in there and it really would have felt like a just generic corporation sort of bad guy. Um, I still think his motivations were a smidge muddled. I feel like the, oh, we're going to fill it up with ads sort of thing was a little predictable, but that's what the book was. So I'm not surprised that they didn't, you know, radically change it in that respect. Yeah, not a whole lot of dramatic surprises. I, I I wasn't I was kind of expecting it. Not that it was going to go like completely off off the rails, but I thought maybe maybe they would they would alter the source material a little bit. Not that I thought that they were going to, but I just thought like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if Spielberg really did his own thing with this? But it it was it was very true to the book um, in a lot of ways and. I guess I appreciated that. It was it was really like I sometimes you need to read the book in order to better appreciate the movie. Sometimes you need to watch the movie to better appreciate the book. This one, you, I think you really could do either one and and not really miss out on anything. That's how I felt about about the movie and the book. Yeah, it, it's it's it is, I think, a really unique situation here. I mean, this is the first time we've done a book and movie on the book club but I, I do think it's a unique situation here where while the there are key elements that are similar they are kind of different in a lot of ways in noticeable ways and I think in they are a bit of a yin and yang of each other in, in many ways I think the what the book does in creating backstory to the universe and the character that I think really enhances the book I think the movie does a better job of moving the plot along and really streamlining elements. And I think they do complement each other very well. Uh, and, and I want to give compliments for that to, to both pieces of media where they, they do go together well. You, you don't, I didn't feel like it was repetitive having read the book and also watched the movie, which was a big fear of mine going in. Yeah. Um, one thing I did kind of have a problem with is that the the main character the actor um now i know i know that the writing is not on your side here and you really have to kind of dig deep to fill the role i i felt like he was a little bit paint by numbersy i thought he was kind of more uh he 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 was kind of like I, and a lot of parts, I, and, I, and I thought about this as, as I was watching the movie, a lot of parts I felt like he was reading the book off screen, like it, like almost like there was a guy holding the book up 
behind the camera and he's like reading it kind of kind of going through the motions a little bit uh what i was incredibly grateful for is uh the um and and as i was reading the book i was like there's no way they're gonna do this in the movie and i'm I'm glad they didn't is that the war game scene yeah that was gonna be an entire like they 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 um for those of you who listened to our uh our podcast about the book I think you remember we this was a particular scene in the book that was was quite irksome. Uh, The main character actually recites verbatim the first 10 minutes or so of the movie War Game from um, War Games, the Matthew Broderick film from 1980 or whatever. and it was it was actually just really like embarrassing and kind of cringeworthy reading it. It was lame. It, it was, was so lame. Yeah, it was. It really like I was I was embarrassed for the author as I was I was like, why are you writing this? Like, we get it. And that's another thing. I, I if I could if I could give this book a review in one one short like three word blurb, it would just be like, we get it. We get it. Yeah. Like we love the eighties. We get it. Yeah. Because something that they do, something that he does in the book and that, that they also, I think are guilty of to a degree in the movie is pandering and then explaining. So I don't really know what, like, who is it for? Is it for the hardcore eighties people? Cause if it's for them, you don't need to go out of your way to explain anything. But if it's not for them and you're trying to introduce a new generation, it felt like he was trying to toe a middle ground with it um, in, in the book or the movie. Uh, or both? More so the book, more so the book. But I think the movie, the movie is, I think, guilty of it as well to a, to a lesser degree. Um, there is some explaining on uh, certain parts, but it's more it's more showing than telling, which is. Which is why the movie was was uh, not as bad as it potentially could have been. Yep. Um, but I don't know. It uh, it went places. I guess the the biggest surprise that came out of it was the '90s and and modern day references that they threw in there. The halo gun. Yeah. The car and yep. and uh, whatever the T Rex and stuff. Uh, it was a, it was a nostalgia trip, and and if you if you take it at that value, I think then that this movie is really not all that bad. Yeah, but man, I'm I'm gonna. Oh my god! Breaking news! I'm gonna disagree with you. I don't <laughs> think the movie was a nostalgia trip. I really don't. I was sat there watching the movie, expecting it to be that because the book was that, and I don't think there's any debate here that that's what the book was. Okay. I think the tack they took with the movie was a little different, and I thought while those references were certainly there, they were not as shoved in your face. I think a good example of it is that the at the end of the movie, right, the to get the last to unlock to get the last key, they have to play Adventure, the Atari game. Um, now in the book, they would be playing Adventure because it was James Holiday's favorite game, and he played it when it was a child, and. No, in this game, in the movie, they play it because it's the first game with an Easter egg. I just like that they took... In the book, there were the reasons that things happened usually didn't make much sense. 
it's like, why were they reciting all the lines from War Games? Because James Holiday liked the movie War Games? Like, it just, it never made sense. But I feel like in the movie, they tried to at least somewhat connect these things to a reality when in the uh, the Shining sequence where they tied it into uh, Holiday and the name of the woman who I can't remember who he was in love with um, and their relationship and she's dancing at the end. Uh, I think I think they did a much better job in the movie and I really appreciated the fact that the references were there, the music was there. If you like the he drove the DeLorean, great uh, more power to you, but I think they did a smart thing by not making the movie about that. I watched it not feeling the movie was about that. What I got out of it was it was I really actually don't know what the movie was about, but it wasn't about that. <laughs> it wasn't a reference right. fest is what I was See. Saying. All right. That's that's I think that's where we're going to differ, because I I wouldn't call it a reference fest, but I would I would definitely say that the story was window dressing for for references like I feel like, you know, some people say that um, some people say that, you know, bread is just a a vessel for butter. Like you you really just want to eat a lot of butter and the only but you. It's not socially acceptable to just eat it right out of the tub, so you got to put it on something. I've heard people say this about lobster too, which is completely asinine. But anyway, um, that that the lobster is just a vessel for the melted butter. Like you're just, you know, because you can't just take shots of, of. So I feel anyway. I feel like this movie was very much, very much window dressing. It was a vessel for references. It's like, how can we just inject eighties, nineties? And two thousands references at people. We just got we got to pelt them with these references. Yeah, How but, are we going to do it? We got to have no. a story because we can't just show pictures of Delorean and then cut to The Shining, and then cut to Adventure. We got to it's got to be it's got to be logically wrapped around some kind of a story in but, some way. But that's my point, right? Where did the other than shit happening in the background? Where were the references happening? Because cause even even if you look at the, the... First of all, the first challenge is a car race with King Kong in it, which is barely a reference, let's be real. Uh, and, and the second challenge is The Shining, sure, but it really has nothing to do with the movie other than the fact it happens in the movie, right? The, the They end up then switching to a game Halliday invented, which was really about the woman who was dancing. And then the third challenge was about adventure, but it wasn't really about the reference, more about an Easter egg being what Holiday put in the Oasis. So to me, yes, there were references, but it really wasn't as integral to the plot as it was in the book. See, this is and this is where I think oh, it's so frustrating because <laughs> thinking about the movie and the book together, I really don't want to give the author or Steven Spielberg a pass here and say that the movie was pa- like was 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 passable. I, I want to hold them accountable because there there really was something good here. I think there really was something great. And I think the movie Going off what you were saying and and having seen the movie, this only reinforces it. There was so much potential. Think about what it could have been if if there was actually a some kind of real narrative here other than, boy, I really like the 80s and I'm obsessed with it but to see, the point of it's borderline unhealthy. See, if there was if there was a real story here, like with The Shining, like it could have been it, you know, it could have started out that way with these references and 
you know, the oasis and escaping reality because reality is really shitty. But then, like, explore that world. All right, why is reality really shitty? Why do we have to rely on on nostalgia? Make it a political commentary. Make it a make it a modern well, like societal commentary, and then go a little bit deeper and actually like. Well, it turns out that Halliday never got the girl. So, so The Shining, like that was, I think, the moment they could have broken off because I don't think they even referenced The Shining in in um in the in the in the no. book at all. No, no. So they could that could have been like kind of the diversion point. And then they really explore a lot more of like of uh, of Halliday as this Howard Hughes kind of figure, where he's you know slowly going insane and 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 or or becoming more insane over time and disconnecting with reality and really just connecting with this fake reality. Instead, they kind of make him more like a nerdy. Almost like a Zuckerberg kind of kind of dude. Anyway, I I thought that was a powerfully missed opportunity. He could have just been like this this torture genius, um, and and that could have really come out through the experiences that he made people go on with his egg quest. Well, and I think I mean this was a big problem with the book and the movie, and we talked about this when we did the book. What are these characters' motivations? Why are they doing the things they're doing? Why is Wade they Watts a lot of money? Well, but but that's the problem, right? Because power. The 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 right. Because if you win the contest, you get a lot of money and power. Well, I get I get why IOI wants to do that, right? But why why Wade Watts? Why is he? I I just I just needed more of that. No, I, I get, think it's just because that's just it. He's but that's poor, so crappy. That's so crappy. And then halfway through, they make the pivot to he's in love, and that's why he wants to do it. I think the movie handled that a little better because, of course, at the book, you wait until the end for uh, Wade and Artemis to meet. And I think they were smart by bringing that way into the middle of the movie and then having Artemis be part of the resistance, which is like a bigger group. And then that's why they're fighting. I think that was smart. I think in the book, it was really lame that they... They just don't – it's just the five of them, and it, it doesn't quite explain why things are happening. But I think I think as you were saying, Matt, there's just a lot of shit going on, and I feel like the only reason these characters do anything is because the script tells them to. You know what I mean? It is it is paint by numbers. It's young adult fiction. I think – and I, I as I was watching the movie, I was thinking this, and then when I left the theater, I came to the realization that, Matt, we cannot take this seriously. <laughs> the book nor the movie. We can't because these are not – if you if you come from the perspective that these are not meant to be political commentaries, this is not supposed to be a commentary on how pop culture defines us as a people rather than our history or our interactions as human beings, right? It's not but about it's environmentalism. Been. It's not about politics. It's not about big business. It's not about any of that. It's not. But it's about it 80s references and a it, fun puzzle. It's, sta- it's standing on the precipice of r- saying something real. But it just does not put its toe in the water. Like it, but that's it puts okay. its toe barely in the water, and then it pulls it out and runs the other way. But that's like saying like you it were. Is, it is so close to saying something very real about our society, about our environment, about our government. Yeah, but and then it just it just it just throws it all away. But that's okay. You could say the exact same thing about the Hunger Games. You could honestly, yes. you could say that. But and that's I, not but what I think they're Hunger for. Games even, I think Hunger Games even went further. Whereas this one barely put a toe in, I think Hunger Games might have actually put like maybe a whole foot. 
and then and then just did the same thing and and copped out. I just well, don't know what it is what it is about these authors that there's these young these young adult authors for that genre that they're just so afraid of saying real things. But but they, they don't have to. That's my point. Out. It's like for me, people who read into the politics of Harry Potter drive me nuts. They drive me nuts. <laughs> they're children's books. Yeah, okay, is there politics there? Could you read into it? Sure, but don't. They're books for children, and that's what this is. This is a book for people who grew up in the 80s. This is a book for people who like fun sci-fi, goofy stuff. Okay, okay. But then why even have the Oasis to begin with? Why not just make it take place in the 80s? Because it's a plot like, device. Because it's a but, plot but device. Why not make it like an alternate reality where it's the 80s, but there's also this Oasis machine at the same time? Well, we, and Matt, we, we talked about this when we did the book episode. There are a lot of better ways you could have written this movie in this book. I, there's no doubt about it. And it's not – and again, I, I'm not I saying they're good. I'm just saying I, this – It's like – it's like all the young adult authors got went to a convention that said all of your books need to take place in a dystopian society. Sure. It's called a it's called where, a fad. The, it's called a where trend. The protagonists fall in love. It's like you gotta check that box too. You gotta also have um you gotta also have um you know, some nostalgia thrown in there. It, it's like the, all all of them are just a paint by not like a Check, 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 check. We got to make sure we have all the boxes. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we probably shouldn't take this seriously at all. At I, all. I wish we could. I, find, I lament for what it could have been, I, I guess. I would love a prequel or a sequel that takes it seriously. I don't disagree with that. But, you know, I think the the movie I don't feel as beat up about the book. I feel more beat up about that. It didn't take it seriously because you had so many more pages to say something. I fully admit in a two hour movie, the, which by the way, the whole first 20 minutes of this movie was all narration explanation, which was driving me crazy. Well, that's how the book was too. But what I'm saying remember. is I didn't mind it as much in the book because at least it dove into some interesting things in this. It's like, boom, boom, boom. In the movie, you're like hustling through this explanation to get to the action so no wonder they couldn't put in these big thoughts. They had so much to cover in two hours. I wish the book had had more of it because it had the real estate to do it. The, the movie, and Matt, maybe we'll start to get into maybe more of our overall thoughts on the movie in particular. I watched the movie being very critical of it while I was watching it, and I rolled my eyes quite a few times. But in the week since, I actually think I kind of liked the movie. Is that crazy? Um, no, because I—I mean, I like—I like things that are. <laughs> not good. So I'm just you don't have to, to try to comfort like, me, Matt. What did you think of the movie? You know, like I—I I like eating um, eating cookie dough before it's baked in the oven, and just like right out of the tub. That's that's tasty. It tastes really good. It's not good for me. Oh my and should god! I, a lot of a lot of times, no. But like, should I admit to people that I like doing that? Probably not. Oh they might god. look at me funny. I feel the same way about admitting that you like this movie. It's like liking the cookie dough. It's it's it, it, it's just a. It was fine. Sure. It was a movie, like we said before, that, and that's really all you can kind of say of it. Was I entertained? Yes. I, I, would, I was entertained while watching the movie. And if that's all you're going for in a movie, 
which it clearly was. Well, what, I mean, and sure, it was an entertaining movie. When did you become such a like highfalutin film critic here? Where you know the the every well, you know, I, I like I just like my movies to say to say things. I oh like my, my movies God. to have to have a little bit of a uh, sense of art in them. You East Coast liberal elite. Just to, Always. yeah, you know, a little, a little, a little commentary here and there, and and uh, you know, I where like I, my Oscar movies. Where I live in America's heartland, we like our movies with explosion and action and fast, colorful things. And this movie I had like a to, bunch of that. I like to watch my movie while slipping a flute, sipping a flute of uh, of Chardonnay. So excuse me if I have a little culture mm. and refinement. Mm. Um. But anyway, this movie was for this. This was a movie for peasants. I think this was. Oh very, my god, that's so harsh! A movie this for was a peasants. Movie for no, stop that. that. Just you just no. want that kind of like uh, you want that that nostalgia hit. Sure, here you go. You want the mindless action bullshit. Here you go. You, you don't want your movie to say anything because you, you're afraid it's gonna it's gonna like rock your your white picket fence world, then okay. Like, I don't think that's fair. I think that's so unfair. And I only say that because Matt, we sometimes forget it's 2018. Okay. New ideas don't exist anymore. All right. Every half the movies this year are going to be sequels or remakes. Okay. Or prequels, right? A a peasant movie is transformers. Okay. That's a shitty movie. All right. (laughs) Like, there are really, truly bad movies out there. I am not saying Ready Player One is a great movie. I'm barely saying it's a good movie. I'm just saying it's a it's a blockbuster. It is meant to be a perfectly serviceable, exciting movie. It was good to look at. The visuals were great. The story was serviceable. The actors, I thought, did a fine job. The dialogue was bad at times, but it got the job done. And I left there feeling good with a smile on my face. So I, I just, I, I kind of... I get the critics of it, and I do agree that the sort of um, worship of popular culture, I think, is a very bad message in here. I think it does hit a lot of those cheesy young adult plot points. But if you gloss over and you just take it down a notch to like a lower level of it's just a movie, then I think it's a pretty good execution of that. You know, all things considered. Yeah, it, it was just a movie. Uh, I, I. <laughs> I don't know what I was Tell us how you going feel. in. I, I really need to learn to just uh, really need to learn to just temper my expectations, I guess. No, if you like, didn't like the movie, Matt, it's really okay. You can be honest. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't dislike it. And I, I kinda hate myself for, for saying that. <laughs> you wanted I, to dislike it. I did. I wanted to go in and be like, fuck this movie. I wanted to go in and be like I never want to watch this. Like I, I, I wanted to go in and and have the the, the expectation that I was gonna, you know, dramatically throw my popcorn on the floor. I don't even eat popcorn, but my metaphorical popcorn on the floor and storm out halfway through. But I, I, I couldn't help thinking like I actually kind of don't want this to end. This is this is pretty cool and and magical. So that was the Spielberg act. By the way, Steven Spielberg. Uh, another thing, I'm, I'm not gonna let him off the hook just yet. The dude probably got to like actually direct maybe 15 or 20 minutes of actual content and then the rest of it was all computer generated bullshit. So he still directs those and it's all motion capture so they still Whatever. have the actors and rigs what? while they were doing that. Ever that's not directing, that's bullshit. Oh, all right. 
<laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm not the Steven Spielberg of anything. So that's uh... that's that's crap. That's that's uh, I, I computer shit. I don't like that. I don't. It's not real movies. I'm a movie a movie purist. We need to get that crap out of our movies right now. But that, is that a... was what most of this movie was. I felt like most of this movie was made inside of a computer. Well, sure, Matt. The half most of the book takes place inside a computer. Yeah, but that's, that's the that's plot. Stupid. Yeah. But, and I will say, I thought the computer stuff looked really good. I thought the effects were very well done uh, for this type of movie. We talked about this in the book episode, not to keep referencing back. We said, how do you make a movie out of a book that takes place entirely in virtual reality? And I thought, of once again, and I will say it's about the whole movie, this is the best possible version of the book. Like, I cannot believe all the things fell into place to make it as good as it is, even not being that great. Like, there's there the movie has no business being as good as it was, and it wasn't even that good. That's what I will say about this. So, yeah, I I, I would I might agree with you there. I don't I don't think they could have. The only way they could have done it better is if they had just lit the book on fire and did their own thing and made it well, better. But I, I think some dialogue could have been source more. material. This was the way to go. This sure. was the way that they. And I, too, was very surprised. I was waiting for them to dig some kind of plot hole or screw something up. But it was uh, it was actually very, very good. It was if it, it actually made the, the made the book look good because it made the book make more sense. Sure. The book was a incoherent nightmare at some parts. And they actually kind of they kind of pieced it together in a, in a positive way. So. Um. Yeah, it was it was it was fluff, but it was enjoyable fluff, I guess. Um, and it, you know, I, I can see, I could see them kind of going. May, maybe the goal was to get parents and kids to watch this movie together and and kind of bond together. That's the vibe I got. It was very much like we're gonna we're gonna try to appeal to to a wide oh, audience it was an all and, audience and that way, I think it definitely like succeeded yeah oh for sure uh but yeah i wish there were some more differences that we could comment on um i think the major one that sticks out is just the the artemis thing that she oh, she's sure. introduced a lot earlier i i was blown away well first of all from the book the whole birthmark on the face thing was super lame but they breeze through it so fast in this movie. It's barely a part of the plot because that's how the book ends with that big reveal. Like, oh no, I'm, I got this thing on my face. I, you can never love me. And then it's like, no, I do love you. And then end of book. That was just... But in the movie, in the middle, they goddamn hit it with a sledgehammer and plow right through that. And they go, oh, my face, never mind. We have to be the resistance and we have to stop them. And then it's like, I like the fact that they send Artemis into the loyalty center because it gives Wade the opportunity to other shit and it gives some other characters a chance to shine. I thought um, Olivia Cook, who plays Artemis in the film, did a very nice job um, in portraying that character with the dialogue she was given. Um, and so I think those moves, I think that the plotting moves were very relatively smart in this movie in how they rearrange different pieces. And I was bummed at the end that like every Marvel movie these days, it ended in a big giant battle where the bad guy loses in the end. 
you know that that was disappointing. But I thought the the, the plot beats leading up to that uh, were, uh, were 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 uh, some smart decisions in there. Sure, birthmark thing was stupid from the very beginning. Uh, even in the book, it was stupid. It yep. really shouldn't have even been there. Yep. Um. I I I remember reading it and being like, of course, of course, there's going to be some kind of like, oh, but you know, I, I'm not the person you think I am. And I thought that was so nicely done. So nicely done with the other character. Mm. Um, the friend who turns out to be like a, like Ake? a, H H H H. Yeah. I never say that. I think right. it's H. Yeah. yeah. Um, who turns out to be like, not at all. Someone like who you expect. I, I like that. Um, and they bring that reveal in a lot earlier, too. Sure. Uh, that one that one should have. I think that could have been a lot, a lot better if it had been saved for the end. But uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what else there really is to say. It, it, it's. It was a movie. It was an enjoyable movie, but damn, if there wasn't. You know, it's it's one of those things you want to you want to mark it down for just not having guts. It was a yeah. movie that was a gutless movie. It I was agree an absolutely with that. gutless movie. Like absolutely took no chances. Just just really skated on the on the thickest ice possible. You know, really kind of eased its way um, across. But it, it, it's a very hollow, it's a very hollow movie. I, I, I agree. It's a lot of bright, shiny things happening for two hours. I really, and again, it was the same. The, the problem is the source material. Let's be real. I don't think the movie's the problem because I think everything about the movie that's not from the book in terms of like just the, the style of it and the pacing of it and the changes they make, I thought we're all good. I thought everything bad about the movie can be directly traced back to the book. And I don't think that's surprising, but I think when you have a source material in the style of ready player one, this is the movie you get. And I got, I, I, I was reminded watching the movie of all the things I didn't like about the book. Cause they were all happening again. Good example being the love story between our two main characters of why do they fall in love? They don't really know each other. And <laughs> they, their relationship evolves over like a day and suddenly they're so in love with each other that they have to save each other in the world. Like it, it's again, you, you mentioned it's a paint by number sort of they get together because the story says they have to get together, despite the fact that in any reality, that's not really how it would work. Yeah, it's it's very inorganic. It is. But then again, we're, we're, we're conditioned as movie consumers and book readers to expect that. If they didn't get together well, in the book, we'd be like, why didn't it? they? Yeah. You know? So, so just never question it. Just to be, of course, if they did, because it's a movie. Yeah. Man, woman, um, they're near each other. Yeah, they should, you know, do their thing. Right. Especially because it's a young adult. It's like, oh, well, they're oh, both part of the resistance. So, for of sure. course, they're going to fall in love. Yeah, the only like, thing it was missing was a second hunky guy to do a love triangle with, which happens in every one right. of these. Right. If anything, that's where it broke the mold was by not having that, yep. uh, that, that love triangle. Yeah. Someone already in the resistance when Wade comes in and they've had a, you know, he's got to kind of fight for her love. Thank God they didn't do that. That would have really sucked. Mm. 
then I think they would literally have to pay rights to the Hunger Games. <laughs> uh, they have to actually pony up real money for that. Yeah. Um, and not just Oasis money. Which, by the way, that, oh, not to not to belabor the point that they don't take chances, but um, I think they introduced the movie. I think one of the first things they say is like, we screwed up the planet. Or something oh, like the, that. That or voiceover, that opening voiceover. Good God, you got to be it's, kidding me! It was so <laughs> goddamn cheesy and so yeah. long that people people stopped looking at the real world outside and started living in their virtual worlds. And we're like, we get it. Well, that that's where that's what I meant with like not taking chance. I was like waiting for them because the opening was so strong with that. I was waiting for them to to make some kind of real. That was the realest it got. The realest that the movie got, and then it presented this. It was like it almost affirmed the solution that it was fighting against. It was like we, you know, we forgot about the real world because we got so invested in our virtual world. By the end of the movie, you're like, oh, that was a good thing. We should get more invested in virtual worlds. Virtual worlds are fucking cool. Oh, they're they're awesome. Where we could do all this really cool shit that we could never do in the real world. You know what? I hope the real world world burns. Like that's that's really what the what I think that's what the the moral of the story is. At least though, that's the way it's presented in the movie for sure. Oh, the 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 you know a lot of the critics who didn't like the movie. The 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 most common thread I saw was that the message of the movie is very bad. And I can't really disagree with that because you're right, Matt. It's like, which is better for us? Giant businesses who want to screw us or pop culture that wants to, you know, control everything about our lives. So we have no original ideas. And they're like, and in the end, just remember, old things you have nostalgia for will always beat out big business. I'm like, wait, what the fuck are you? (laughs) What? What? Like you could, there could have been eight other great messages to pick out. I, I, I loved the scene at the, Towards the end of the film, I think it was when Nolan Sorrento was driving through the streets and it showed everybody with the goggles on fighting in the streets like the whole world had stopped to participate. Like that was one of the coolest shots in the movie because it actually made it like, oh shit, everyone even walking down the street, which you wouldn't use VR when you were walking down the street, I would think. Uh, But anyway, everyone stops and it's like really everyone in the world is truly invested in this all at the same time. To the point where they're doing it in the streets. Like, that's so neat of an idea. That's, and they breeze yeah. through it. And that's the part That's the part where I, I was also kind of expecting it to be like, oh, are they all going to, like, take the goggles off and be like, wow, we're outside with each other. Let's try to fix all this shit going on. Like, let's, let's plant trees and pave roads and stuff. And, and let's try let's, – let's give this society thing a shot again. But well, no, it, yeah, they just breeze right through it, and they're back to the virtual shit. Well, and it was weird because they sort of, they half did that, right? Because at the moment when the bomb goes off and kills everyone in the game, that's the moment where everyone takes their goggles off and says, oh, wait, now that we're all dead, while Wade is off saving the world, they never show that. They just show Wade winning the contest and then doing, <laughs> the, doing the cheesy thing with, with James Holiday, and then they show him in the truck making googly eyes with the girl and the bad guy goes away in the handcuffs. Like it's the it's the lamest predictable <laughs> ending. I rolled my eyes so hard at the end of that movie. Which, by the way, I was also very upset 
that like Nolan Sorrento needed to get his comeuppance at the end. I understand that he can't win. I again, I'm not going to fight that. But the fact that you this whole time you're like IOI runs the world and they're an evil corporation and they can indefinitely lock up people with debts, but then like the police show up, like of all the ways for it to get his comeuppance. I'm assuming they're the, like the Oasis controlled police also. Like keep in mind that the Oasis controls people a lot a lot like Sorrento's company. Like they're 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 kind of one in the same. It's just that one is an opiate of the masses. One is like literally pumping endorphin drugs into people through this virtual reality machine. And and but nobody sees a problem with that is the, is the is the scary part. Maybe in Ready Player Two they'll discuss that further, or maybe they'll just they'll just try to cram in as many goddamn nineties reference this time as they can I, into as many pages. I pray and have a lame ass love story with it. Uh, you know, Matt. There, I pray there is no sequel to this book and or movie, and there will be because it made a fuck ton of money. But I, I, they I announced. Please just. They already just, announced it. He is working on Reddit, Ready Player Two as we speak. It can't as get, we speak, Sean. No, he is no, no. He is writing. He's in his little studio. He's getting his ideas, well, and, and the, we will be reviewing Ready Player Two probably the same time next year. Uh, well, the problem is that they already. He's written another book now, not related to Ready Player One, that yes. nobody liked. Yeah. No, and I they said it was, what it was called um, Armada, and they said it was Armada. basically speaking Artemis. But yeah, and they the said character. it was just a rehash of what was in Ready Player One. Like it was basically the same thing. And I'm like, no, no, like you did it. You made a movie that didn't completely suck. Like just take the win, <laughs> take the W, and go home. Like don't somehow you hit the nerd lottery and you wrote a really really shitty fanfic and struck it big, like like millions big. You got to meet Steven Spielberg and make a movie with them. You, you literally know, lived the dream. Now it's time to hang up your spurs because clearly you ain't got no talent. Well, that's – and but, I have so much respect for Stephanie Myers who wrote Twilight because she wrote Twilight and then got out. She took her money and went home. Like, good for she you. She realized that she was like, oh, shit. I <laughs> literally won the lottery. I won the freaking lottery here. Yep. Yep. Just she retire. That sack of money, vampire money, and left. That was smart because a lot of these like and we're in this age now where we have these flash in the pan authors who come out of nowhere, publish these books that people really enjoy. They make movies out of them and then they keep they don't go away. And you're like, just. Just no more, no more Ready Player One. We've done it. America has done it. Congratulations. Please stop. But I feel very. um, I feel much very, very sad to say that they will write another book and and it will be made into a movie oh, like, sure. there's no question it's well, just, it's gonna happen ready player one has already made over 100 million dollars domestically over uh nearly 400 million dollars uh worldwide and it is the uh fun fact domestically the 657th highest grossing movie all time uh and it is the sure uh the 24th highest grossing young adult book adaptation of all time because people are sheep. I mean, we went and saw it. <laughs> well, we I only saw it for the show. I'm not I'm not going to say that I would have gone to see it if oh. it wasn't for for the sake of discussing it with you. Yeah, no. I I cannot stress how little <laughs> interest I had 
in seeing this movie. I was kind of angry that I had to go see it. Frankly, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, it was one of the, it was an odd experience. I felt like I was doing it for work. It was or a for chore some kind of like obligation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I didn't, I, I like, like we said before in the show, I, I didn't, I, it's not like I regretted it. It's not like I felt no. like I was totally wasting my time. I, I have was seen far worse movies. Hours. Yeah. Let me be oh, clear. Sure. sure. Uh, now, Matt, we're, we're heading towards the end of the episode here. I want to give you an opportunity. If there's any other points about the film you want to make before we move on to conclusions. Um, no, I, I really don't. I really don't want to make any, I want I don't want to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> you're you're this done. You've had enough. longer than I have to. So I think that's where it is, is where it's going to stay. I, the, the one thing we didn't get to mention that I wanted to mention because it's, I forgot he had been cast in the movie. And as soon as I heard his voice, I got like, physically upset is tj miller is not only a bad human being he's not that funny and as soon as i heard his voice as irock in the film every time he spoke i was like and i get like when they started making this movie two years ago he was kind of cool and then he staked his whole career on writing the emoji movie and then got arrested uh, and it, I, I was so upset and I'm like, why would you include this movie has enough problems? Don't put TJ Miller in it. But anyway, maybe that's just me that, that bugged the hell out of me. Okay. Um, let's move on to conclusions, Matt. We've, do you know, we've never actually reviewed a single move, like one movie on this for like a whole episode, one movie. We've never done it. Fun fact. Fun no. fact. And so I was thinking we've never scored a movie before. So first off, Matt, I, I need to ask you an important question, which was, in your opinion, which was better, the book or the movie? If if you, if, if someone um, said, I only have time to do to read the book or watch the movie, which would you tell them to do? And you can't choose neither. Or see the movie. See the movie. Okay. Movie. See the movie because you, you'll be entertained and it'll, it's less time of your life that is subtracted. Yeah. Unless you speed read the book. Yeah. The book I, just had the book a lot of nonsense in it and um you could put the book down but i think you're less inclined to walk out of the movie because you paid more money for it so yeah i would i would, I would say just go see the movie i would agree with that uh i would say see the movie and if you like the movie don't read the book if you loved the movie and can't get enough then yeah you can go read the book but you don't really need to read the book go see the movie no, because like we said before, you really only need to do one or the other. It's yeah. not like a, um, I don't know, Although, Lord of the Rings type situation. You know, I don't know, actually. Maybe I'm a little more on the fence about that, because I do think there are important differences. I think, again, what what the movie makes up for in better pacing and more interesting challenges, the book makes up for in more interesting... I know you you found... I think the backstory in the book, while at times isn't coherent, is nonetheless interesting. And I do, I do think that the book and the movie are not that similar. I just think both are not that good, and you shouldn't waste precious minutes on this earth doing both, I guess is how I would phrase it. Yeah. No, I think that's good advice. I think that's good. It's real good advice. Definitely um, don't, don't waste your time on both. It's, no. it's not necessary. Absolutely not. Now, Matt, I was thinking, right, we need a way to rate the movie. Okay, right now it's got a 74% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and I was thinking, Matt, what if we did the uh, the de- the debate o meter? 
Okay. It's like the tomato meter, but it's the debate meter And we just steal okay. the idea, and we each give it a, a percentage score out of 100 of what we thought of the movie. Okay. Can, 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 you, can you muster up a score for us? Mm. I, I'll, I'll go first if you need a minute to think about it. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a 60, 60%. Okay, so better better than even odds. No, I'm going to give it like a 50. It's going down by the minute, Sean. 57%. <laughs> it's like a bad auction. Yeah, yeah, the reverse auction. Yeah. I'm going to have to stick it at 54% because if I say anything else after this, it's going to go down again. So 54. Okay, good. Well, we're locking you in. It was entertaining enough where it was above a 50 but it's still because it didn't try anything new. It wasn't creative. It didn't really go with my rubric at all. Now I feel like I'm talking to one of the students. But um, yeah, I, I was I was very unimpressed by its unoriginality and its lack of voice. So fifty fifty four. Fair enough. I think that's I think that's a very fair score, uh, and we will lock you into that. Uh, I would say. For me, I like movies in two categories. One is smart, clever movies. I thought I just watched Shape of Water a couple weeks ago. I thought that fell into great movie. I would on the uh, debate meter. That's like a eighty-eight. I mean, I really that was a really wonderful movie, uh, and it fell into that smart, clever category. The other category movies of like are big action, dumb stuff, like Die Hard, and you know these movies that don't have a theme or really barely a plot, but they're just enjoyable to watch. And I would put Ready Player One into that category. I, I actually kind of liked the movie. It wasn't good. It was badly written. It was okay directed, but I liked it. So sue me. Uh, you know, I like a lot of things that aren't good, but that's okay. So I would say on the debate meter I'm going to give it a 66 for me on the debate meter A serviceable in the, right at that one-third mark two-thirds mark um i think it was i think it was good my concerns and i'm really interested right because avatar a visually interesting but terribly written and plotted film that when you watched it in theaters you thought wow this movie's really great and then over the next week or two you're like actually that wasn't as good as i remember and then you catch it on cable you know three years afterwards and you're like this movie isn't good and also doesn't even look that good. I'm curious if this movie fall, if Ready Player One falls into that. If I rewatch it two or three years from now and I'm like, wait, why did I like that movie again? Yeah. It's, that's a, I think that's a pretty fair comparison um, to, to compare, to, to put it side by side with, uh, with Avatar. I think this will, this, this, there's a, a strong likelihood that this will be the, the Avatar of, uh, of this decade, uh, it's, it's a very, very apt. Um, it was visually impressive, but in this day and age, visually impressive loses its luster. You know, it has an expiration date. Sure, it has well, an expiration date be, because a movie coming out six months from now is going to be that much visually better. You know, right? You know, right. and by the way, That's every exactly movie right. when Avatar came out, no other movie did that. These days, this movie's going to look just as good as Avengers Infinity War. It's going to look just as good as Solo. It's going to look just as good as every other CGI-heavy film that's coming out. So, yeah, great, but I just don't think it, it stands above the rest in a way that Avatar did. No. No, I, I don't think it... 
I don't think it's going to be. I mean, it's impressive now, sure, but not one that stands the test of time. No. Not at all. Well, that concludes the Ready Player One saga. Um, did they make a video game version of Ready Player One? Oh, God. Um, I, I know there was like a VR experience. That would make a lot of sense. I'm, I'm on the Google right now trying to find an answer to that. Yeah, I don't think they I don't think they did. I think that would be a wonderful disaster if they if they did. <laughs> well, I was trying to think um, that because we have to do the Ready Player One trilogy. We did the book, we did the movie, but what's the third Ready Player One thing we can do? Now that's been adapted into a movie and a book, what's next? It's got to be if they ever do like a play or a musical version, then we'll have to review I would, it. I would actually really like to see that. <laughs> I would <laughs> Ready Player One the wow. musical. That would I be would, dope. I would. I would I would I would go on like a GoFundMe for that. I would easily I would seriously give money if they were to make a screenplay adaptation of Ready Player One. I think I just would love to see that because I think it would it would just be one person. It would be very avant garde. It would just be one person like kind of standing on a, at a lone microphone and with like a VR headset, but like backwards or something. Just like narrating like, everything that's happening in the, whoa, no. now it's the Iron Giant. He's so tall. <laughs> well, I think it would be, it would, all right. So it would be one of those black box, like one man show type <laughs> yes. deals where, where this one guy is imagining <laughs> he's in the Oasis and just like encountering various pop culture references that we can't see yep or it would just be like some like what i was thinking was just like some guy just reading off a list of pop culture references he just like he just goes like remember master chief delorean master (laughs) chief pac-man duran duran atari (laughs) duran duran uh flock of seagulls yep Ronald Reagan, just like re- just reading him like off a list. This yeah. has been Ready Player One. Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah. That would be. I'd awesome. like to see the the first one. I definitely like to see the former for sure. I would pay to go see that guy. Just whoa, <laughs> just oh, really way overacting. Wow. Oh, yeah. this looks like adventure from Atari. What is it? I'm in The Shining. <laughs> What are these two twin girls doing here? They want me to play a game. <laughs> that would be awesome. Right, Matt, I will I will set the GoFundMe if you'll put on you need to put on the performance, yes. Matt. And, set and, it up. I, yeah. I would I would donate oh I would so donate to that. <laughs> would love to see uh, that happen. But I think for now, Ready Player One, we're not gonna talk about it anymore. Let me tell you that uh, on the debate meter, I, I don't even have to see it. I'll, I'll give that a hundred. <laughs> It'll be a one hundred right off off the bat. One hundred percent. Ready Player One, the screenplay. Yeah, I'm in. I am in. All right, Matt. That concludes our uh, now two hour discussion of Ready Player One in all its forms. We hope everyone out there enjoyed it. Um, we'll have to do more. Uh, we'll have to do more movies review. Oh yeah. Um, cause we do books, but we'll have to, I don't know what movies we'll do, but we, we should do some kind of, uh, foreign film Academy Awards. What? First no, of all, I'm they just... already have an Academy Award for foreign <laughs> films. So someone beat us to the punch. 
Um, I, I just I, I want an excuse to see more foreign. I'd like to watch more foreign well, films. Then why don't you just I, do it? Because I don't. Because then I feel like I I can't really talk. I don't know a lot of people outside of this country. I and can't you really came talk to me. To You're talk to me about it. Why are you dragging yeah, me I, into I, this? I want to I want to watch them and then discuss them with you so we can uh, kind of expand our horizons. Well, did, movies. Did I ever tell you that in my entire life? Ever, there's only been one movie that I considered so unwatchable that I stopped it halfway through and never finished it. Schindler's List? No. The the foreign film should have given it away. It was Pan's Labyrinth. And I was oh, okay. so confused at what was going on. And it, it was subtitled and it was crazy. I'm like, why the hell am I watching this? And I shut it off. I thought it was going to be Schindler's List just because it's very sad and, no. and graphic. I mean, I don't watch a lot oh. of sad movies, but no, it was Pan's List. So I know foreign films aren't aren't the thing, Matt. But we well, we have talked about coming up maybe at some point in the next couple of weeks doing a uh, Star Wars prequels episode. Yeah, that's been a long time coming. It's been a long time in the works. So I we'll, think that'd be we'll do that, and then uh, yeah, maybe maybe one of these times we'll we'll pick another book that has a movie version, and we'll we'll compare because I think it's fun to compare and contrast the book with the movie. I think it is. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, we really, yeah, maybe every now and then, like we have our book club, maybe we could have a perhaps a movie slash book club where Hell we yeah. read the book and watch the movie. Yep, I'd be down for that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, that was the other thing. I, I mean, we're far too late in the episode for me to mention this, but I did want to just quickly say that I think Ready Player One, let me say, video game movies, movies based on video games are historically terrible. All yeah. of them. Prince, uh, Prince of Persia, Mortal Kombat, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed all, they all suck. I think Ready Player One is probably the best video game movie ever made. I'll get back to you on that. You think about that, because basically, um, I mean, I mean, while it's not about one video game, the whole movie kind of is a video game in a lot of ways. And I think video game movies should watch Ready Player One to see how to do a better job at making video game movies. Making the action exciting and interesting and the plot somewhat followable. I'm, without having... Yeah. I'm, I'm like 90% of the way on, on board with you there. Okay. I, I can't think of... I can't really think of a... Unless you count Goldeneye, which well, really, I think the movie, the movie definitely came out first, so did. that doesn't really count. It's more of a video game based off of a movie, so I don't really count. But has there ever been a good movie that came from a video game as the source material? I don't think that's well. I, I, the the first the Tomb Raider movie was okay. I remember it being yeah. decent. Yeah, I mean there was, was decent, but I'm this just, was definitely better than that. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Obviously, all the Resident Evil movies. Warcraft. Trash. trash. Need remember the Need for Speed movie with Aaron Paul? Oh my God! Why was that a thing? I, I never saw it, but I'm sure it was trash. Oh, Max Payne! I remember when they made Max Payne? Yes, they did. I didn't see it. No, no one did. Super I'm Mario sure Brothers. That's it. That's that we need to watch. Can time. we watch we that for it. the show? The original, yes. I will I will rewatch that for the show. Yeah. That That's a movie was 
excellent. That movie is bonkers. So bonkers. I love it. Bowser is like a real human and uh, Yoshi's are like a, like a real looking, like realistic looking dinosaur. Yep. Yep. And then there's like interdimensional portals and fungus and John Leguizamo. It's crazy. Everybody's in on the joke. I think it would be, it would be totally fucking stupid if, 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 if everybody wasn't in on the joke, but they are. So it's, it's excellent. Yeah, we, we should watch that at some point. Anyway, I, I just had to slip that in. Oh, my God. Oh, so bizarre. So They're bizarre. in downtown Brooklyn. Like, oh, uh, excellent. See, that's, excellent an 80, that's an 80s reference they didn't make. What Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Yep. Um, anyhow, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We got to wrap it up because we're over time. So uh, thanks, everybody out there for joining us. Hope you enjoyed this edition as much as we did. Uh, you can get everything about the show on our website, upfordebate.tv. All the past episodes, audio and video, you click that archive button. They're all there for you, including a Ready Player One episode, episode number 88. You can also subscribe to the show. It's the best way to get new episodes. As soon as they're published, bam, they're right there on your phone or in your YouTube channel. Uh, click the subscribe button on the web page. It'll give you links to everywhere you can get the show, including Overcast, iTunes, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also get in contact with us at Up for Debate TV on Twitter, and you can email us, UpForDebateTV at gmail.com. I do want to tease, coming up in two weeks is our summer movie draft, where we, we're going to announce the winner of the Winter Movie League. Uh, Matt, you will be there. I will be there. We're going to have like a dozen plus people, and we've got big movies to draft for the summer. The first one up for auction is going to be Avengers Infinity War, so right off the top, it's going to be big betting so you're not going to want to miss that best way to get it is to subscribe and then that episode will show up in your feed after we record it so it should be fun yeah uh, i'm looking forward to it should be a, it's gonna be a full house it's gonna be a lot of screens on our uh skype so yes it will be so it's a it's a can't miss episode there but uh, hey come on let's be honest every episode here is a can't miss come on it's up for debate true. uh Very so true. We appreciate everyone out there for joining us. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time for more fun discussion and great times on Up for Debate.